Welcome back to the 343 Fumble Podcast. Your host, Jaffa, once again, and I'm joined by the usual trio of Madame and Aline Dowd. Hiya there, you alright? Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, not bad. Decent uh, weekend of action as a, as a Toon yeah, fan. You guys must be happy. Yeah, man. I'm yeah. Definitely, definitely in good spirits. Newcastle United are not just won the la- uh, two out of the last three, but they're actually playing in a more watchable way these days. And um, one fixture that's been incredibly watchable in recent years has been Manchester City against Liverpool. Uh, obviously, it's always had title-deciding ramifications. Uh, this year, though, you had Liverpool having lost two of the uh, two of their most recent home games after having gone, I think, since April 2017 without a defeat at Anfield in the league. And when you, when you talk about the, the first two opposition, it was Burnley and it was uh, can you the Brighton, Burnley and Brighton. So it's kind of like when Man City are on in the town and they win 4-1, nobody's really shocked. But um, I just want to kind of get into that match because there were so many interesting things, high-profile mistakes, uh, good attacking play, and uh, Liverpool, again, you know, a depleted squad. I know that they reinforced in the, uh, in the transfer window just towards the end, getting those two centre-backs in. Obviously, neither of them played, so they were still doing the thing with Fabinho and centre-back. And uh, I always like to come to the fan of the team for the match that we're discussing, so I'll come to Ali first. Ali, just give us your overall thoughts about not just the performance, but what, what's your thoughts so far on Liverpool's season and where can, can it be salvaged at this point? Um, Liverpool lost uh, Man City 4-1. Um, credit goes to Man City, credit goes to Pep Guardiola. You know, Credit um, goes to Alisson. Yeah, um, credit goes to Alisson, really, if you want to really say that and interrupt what I was about to say. You know, um, you got to give Guardiola the credit. Um, Klopp's gave his ass up to Guardiola. It's about time Klopp took some ass up and took some L's. So, yeah, what else can you say? You know, um, at half-time, Guardiola changed up to a 4-4-2 and just pre- put pressure on that back four, really. Are you are you not angry at Alisson? You're not angry at um, how he how he conducted himself? Are you thinking he was uh, Ronaldinho uh, in net not with that really, ball mate. control? Not really. I'm not really, I'm not really The plethora angry. of passes. He, he's really? Not, uh, hasn't Alisson uh, made some howlers already kind of similar to those? Yeah, first, but... First season he has, game? But he, he, yeah, he but came, look, Like, he bounced back like, so quickly from those. I remember the one where he tried to do the Cruyff turn against Leicester and then he bounced yeah. back. It was against Ian Acho, I remember that goal went yeah, through, I yeah. I mean, after that, he was... He went on to be probably the best keeper in the world on form the season they won the league and the season they won the Champions League. I agree. So, if there's any keeper that you can kind of, you know, bank on not letting it get to them, it's, it's Alisson really, so... Yeah, obviously he'll be disappointed with himself, but I doubt he's going to be kicking himself too it's, much about it. It's a bit, it's a bit of a rite of passage for any great keeper in the Premier League, in my opinion. Um, you have to go through those really crappy spells. Um, yeah, uh, prime examples De Gea. Do you know what I mean? Well, De Gea spells he, lasting about he's two been, years. He's been through a lot. Point, of sp- so. I don't know how, I don't know if he's you can been call through it a lot of uh, bad spells. I don't think you can call it. <laughs> Why are we even talk about De Gea? This was about Man City versus Liverpool. Like, doubt with all due respect, let's not talk about Manchester United. Yeah, let's talk about the, I mean, All right, okay. Let's like, talk like, about look. let's talk about the match because I I I thought I'm not going to lie when uh, Gundogan missed the penalty, I thought, oh, uh, this is Liverpool's night. You know, things are going to them. Then obviously Gundogan scored, and then you guys got the penalty, and I thought, okay, actually, you know what, momentum is is um, switching to Liverpool, and then. I genuinely believe the only thing, yes, Klopp's tactics were a bit wrong. You have to obviously see his uh, the defense and what what you know the 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 players he was playing. They had their heads down, but yeah. the Allison fuck up. Let's say the Allison 
absolute like you know I don't know what he was doing really ruined it for the rest of the players and I think 4-1 was flattering for Man City I don't think you guys should have lost that by that margin personally no but a loss is still a loss and Man City deserved to win that game um, regardless of Alisson's boo-boos you know like Man City was still beating us yeah, you just yeah need to I agree that. I think though uh, if you look back at the game you're saying momentum shifted to Liverpool. I don't remember really a point in time in the second half where momentum was with Liverpool. Man City were piling on the pressure from the minute that second half started. Man City scored an early goal in the yeah, second exactly. half. Am I correct in that as yeah, well? Yeah, they did. And I don't want to say um, uh, Liverpool were fortunate to get a penalty. Salah definitely was fouled by Diaz, got the wrong side of him. He embellished the contact, but it's what you have to do these days in football to get the penalty. I mean, if he doesn't go down, he's not getting that penalty. Um, but at 1-1, I thought Liverpool still really looked the the you know second best didn't look that bad but at the same time they just haven't been able to find a system that works with the injuries that they have and you know that's not really a you know it's not a slight on Klopp's tactical now because come on like their injuries are ridiculous at this point I don't know he, he makes some he makes some strange decisions or like yeah he's got Liverpool have injuries but he's playing too many players out of position so our well, what can he do what can he taken. do well, no, but what can he do? No, no, but like change the formation up, do something different. He keeps playing the four three three, you know. So what um, would you do? What would I do, man? I would do a lot. First of all, I would probably get out of the dressing room. Except Dowd, you know, I, I might, I might make him a like shoe cleaner or something. <laughs> I might get you past my shoes or whatnot. No, but in, in all seriousness, he's he's brought in players, players which have played regularly, like Kabak and the Giza from. Well, uh, where is it? Uh, ben uh, Davies. Preston. Simicas. Davies. Simicas. Davies. Oh, uh, Davies. Sorry, yes. Left back. So what I would have done is, personally, I'd go with three four three. That's a total football way. Switch it up. Play a back three. Use the wing backs with you have Alexander Arnold, Robertson. Have Thiago and Fabinho actually in the midfield trying to dictate that. Then you have your front three. Wait, wait. In a three four three, who, who's your five at the back? It's four, it's three at the back, so it'll be Henderson. Wing backs, you know, just categorize yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it, it would, it would be Henderson in the middle with mm-hmm. Kabak and Davies, possibly. Or have Simikas on the left side, because he can't defend. That's and all. then you have as your wing backs, you'll have Alexander Arnold, you'll have Robertson, then you have Thiago and Fabinho in midfield, and you have your front three up front. Do you remember back in the day of the entertainers with Newcastle with Keegan where they would just aim to outscore the opponent and defence wasn't really the priority? This is what Liverpool should yeah, do right I now. Think that's, that's that formation sounds like it would be one hell of a team to play on FIFA, if you know what I mean. Like where, like where, I don't know how well it would work <laughs> in real life. Do you not reckon that that back line lacks a like, significant amount of pace like for recovery? I feel like that, that could have been punished no, quite heavily against you know a team what? like Manchester City. Brendan Rodgers used this in 2015 uh, with... With Liverpool, then he used it. You put Emery Chan in the back three with Sacco and Skirtle, or Lovren and Skirtle and Emery yeah, Chan. I actually he left that. Emery Chan in there. He left Emery Chan there to dictate the play. So he'd come, he could go forward, be part of the midfield, and come back and be part of the back three as well. So you know, change it up a bit if he can. But Klopp's a bit stubborn in that sense, you know. And um, he does have his flaws. I can't speak for the Brighton and Burnley performances because I didn't watch them too closely, but. I disagree with that. I don't think Liverpool are that bad tactically. I think the Anderson mistakes were so decisive. Like, if if you think about, you know, big matches, if if one team blitzes the other, like I remember a few years ago when Liverpool and the Rodgers were like four and a against Arsenal in twenty minutes or something, something like that. 
Like that's a game where you get your tactics wrong and you get absolutely smashed. But, but yes, uh, the the Man City Liverpool game was a lot closer than that, and the yeah the mistakes were ultimately. Oh, so you agree with me? I thought you just said you disagree with me. No, well, yeah, I, I just disagreed with you. I said that Liverpool played well. I think their tactics were all right. Um, I just think that the Allison mistakes uh, killed their hopes of uh, getting into that match. Obviously, the four four two switch. By that's what I said. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what Dowd Dow was saying. Yeah, Dowd did say that. I, I swear, Dowd said that they played tactically bad. That's what I said. I said Allison fucked up. I, I'll, I'll be interested you, to listen to this. Back, you're getting me confused with a, a delirious Dowd Liverpool that. fan. Nah, Dowd, you said they played bad tactically. I'm pretty sure. We can listen to it at the very beginning. <laughs> Rewind this now. Rewind this now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, yeah. So Jeff, I'm I'm glad you agree with me because uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, from what I can see, I, three four three would would be lovely to watch. I don't think Klopp is uh, that type of manager to to uh, to experiment that much. Um, but at, at this moment in time, with how this team is going, I, I, I you know, maybe even the players want to have a little bit of a change. Uh, I don't know how Fabinho and Jordan Henderson feel like playing at the back. Um, while some of their defenders are sitting on the bench, and they must be thinking like, "How are man? Like, get us out there, man!" I know, I actually know how to defend. Um, so, uh, I, 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 let's let's talk about Man City because I, uh, I thought was was Phil Forden is is Phil Forden now you know the new Wayne Rooney? <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I don't, come on, man! I, don't know Wait, I think really I think everyone's forgetting, yeah. I think everyone's forgetting how amazing Wayne Rooney was when he first burst onto the scene as a 16-year-old. I mean, Foden is a quality youngster, but come on, uh, to get to Wayne Rooney's level, you can't see that. Yeah, you can't. I mean, if he gets, he, he's not. I don't say he's far off because it's hard to compare the two players. One was a striker off the bat, one's a creative midfielder can play in, in the middle and on the wing. But he's definitely looking like a real talent for Man City, and it's kind of unfair, like that they lose David Silva, and then they just get. Phil Foden straight away, like what? What kind of luck is that? It kind of reminds me of like Barcelona, like ten years ago, where they seem to have like a wonder kid coming out of La Masia, like on a you know conveyor belt almost, or like Ajax, how it happens. But yeah, I mean, quality player was the difference in in the end. Like the goal that he uh, made was it for Gundogan second, I think, it was just when you absolutely oh, yeah. ran past Robertson like he's some average fullback and not one of the best left backs in the world. Absolutely quality man, and excited to see him what he does in an England shirt as well uh, at the Euros if that goes ahead. It was interesting how Man City used them because uh, when Dowd before mentioned about uh, Fabinho and uh, Henderson sick of defending, I mean they probably are to an extent, but you would think that because they're two non-traditional centre backs, that Guardiola was going to stick Jesus up front, you know, and get a striker in there dealing, uh, you know, with his movement and uh, against two players who are familiar with that position. But what he did was he fielded no striker. So on false nine, and he tasked uh, Foden with literally appearing in any pocket he wants. Foden was on the right wing at one point. He was dropping deep as a false nine. He was on the left at one point. And I think what what it ended up doing for Fabinho and um, and Henderson was that they didn't have a marking assignment that they could familiarise themselves with. They were like constantly looking. Am I supposed to be stepping forward to meet him? Am I supposed to be dropping back to see if there's any runs in behind that he's going to make? So it was like a really like what Pep did was. Okay, Liverpool aren't at their full strength. They're not using two traditional centre backs, and I'm going to confuse the hell out of them. And it worked really, really well. And obviously, Sterling driving forward at them caused them issues because that's how they won the penalty as well. So it was it was really good tactics from Guardiola. Sometimes you don't need a traditional striker. That's what I said as well. Exactly. I just give credit to Guardiola. You know, you know, last season he didn't do as well as he should have, and this season you just come back on top like a lion. This is this is competition at its best. You know, and unfortunately, two, top two dogs are. 
Man City and Liverpool, and even though Manchester United are above Liverpool, they're never in a title race, unfortunately, are they? Yeah, I mean, this was the title decider, as they said, right? Like, this was the, yeah, you know what I mean? This was yeah. a title six pointer between a team in fourth and a team in first, which is quite, I guess, rare to say, because, like you say, I mean, despite everything that's happened this season, it's looked like just Liverpool and Man City, you no know, matter which other team you look at. And that's Manchester United. They're, they're that's one result. I mean, at least they want the decency to lose to them away, not home. Uh, they can't even defend the deep set piece against Everton to see out home win as well. I've said it. I've said it from day one. I've said it from day one. Maguire, Lindelof are... No, no, what I'm trying to say is mediocre. <laughs> These are mediocre players. They're not They're not Manchester United type of players, you know what I mean? What we need to do is, is that Van Dijk type of signing, and that's where we'll actually start being title contenders we're nowhere near to be title contenders at the moment no let's just get back to Man City does this does this victory over Liverpool finally put them as you know like the front runners like it's theirs to lose now for the title sort of thing yeah now yeah now, pretty much now it's it's the race for fourth who can be um second third and fourth because there's too many uh, teams vying for that position and they're all viable I mean Man City are still chasing the like white whale in that Champions League trophy right and they're still in that competition and that's coming back, and we'll, we'll touch on that later. But do you reckon that they might lose focus a bit? I mean, they're trying to keep their eyes on two prizes, whereas Liverpool now can focus all their energy into one competition. Because let's be honest, they're good enough to make top four no matter what happens, despite their injuries. And maybe they'll go for a, another. Mir- I want to say miracle because they deserve to win it, but another like historic Champions League run and end up winning the whole thing. Whereas Man City might falter. I mean, they're not looking. Man, I mean, Man City are bottlers in the, in the Champions they League. Are, but, I, but I'm just saying, like, their team, even though they're impressive and, and their back line is looking better than it was a couple of seasons ago, I feel like as a whole, they're still not as impressive. So do you not see there's any, like, do any of you guys see any possibility that Man City, not with, you know, being a bit premature about their title aspirations, do you reckon they still have it within them to, to falter a little bit? Man City have a game in hand as well, don't they? Yeah, yeah. they do. And. I mean, they, they could obviously lose. Yeah. It'll still be a comfortable five-point gap. I think the reason I back them to win it is because nobody else can rival them in depth. And this is a season where depth has mattered more than ever, like with the truncated schedules and COVID effect and everything. So Man City are definitely the, the best well-equipped team to deal with it. And, and I feel like it's already showed itself throughout the season, really. Because they've had a rocky start. At, and um, I remember, to be honest, they, they drew and lost a few games at the beginning. And, and everyone sort of thought, you know, Man City aren't even a title threat this year. They thought it'll be Liverpool again. And then the Van Dyke injury happened in the Merseyside derby. Man City started quietly picking up form. And now, what is it, 14 wins in a row in all competitions? Yeah. That, that just You don't win 14 wins in a row in all competitions unless you had the depth to deal with those thick and fast coming games. So I think they will build up a comfortable enough lead that they will focus on the Champions League properly. Whether they win the Champions League or not is a totally different discussion. It's got so many different factors to consider. But I don't see them throwing the league title away, even from this position. I, I wouldn't hope so. Yeah, I agree. I think... Uh... This season, especially, like you say, depth is everything. And when you have, you know, the resources they do and the depth that they have, but yeah, I mean, you know, anyone but anyone but Manchester United, and I'll, I'll be happy as a tune fan, I'll be honest. <laughs> I am a bit gutted, though. I am a bit gutted that, like, uh, Liverpool are a bit depleted and they're not able to give us the customary title runs that we're kind of used to. I know Man City didn't do it last season, but I was kind of hoping we'd return a bit to the 18-19 season of that. Uh, unbelievable! Like as a neutral, watching that title run was so fun. It's kind of hoping for it again, but looks like we're probably not going to get but it. To be this honest, season. if Liverpool could magically have Van Dijk, Gomez, uh, and um, 
here's the third one, Matip, available tomorrow for the rest of the season. I would back them to still pull off a title challenge, genuinely. You know how much of a difference putting them uh, defenders back in and putting the midfielders in their correct positions would make? Uh, yeah, it makes yeah. So, such a difference. It's unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. It, like, I feel bad for Klopp, man. I know that people to, to, like are mocking him these days saying he's a sore loser. And it may well be true that he kind of goes off on it in the interviews and... But it's yeah. Well, yeah, he is a sore loser though, Jaffa. Like Definitely. he is. Whoop de do. Who who wants to lose? Tell me. Yeah. Like nobody wants to lose. His excuses uh, yeah. are I mean, funny, maybe... but like, what can you do? I mean, he is going to be upset. I mean, Guardiola is just a sore loser. You know, all the great managers are. I mean, look at Mourinho. That guy is the sorest loser of all. Yeah, Mourinho is the biggest so biggest loser in the world. Like yeah. he'll win over. Like oh, my hair's turning gray, so I lost or something. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Like the best best people in the world, but the, the winners of this world, they don't want to lose, and that's it. And by the way, it's not just the winners because one time, uh, Pod, you blamed the Newcastle loss on the Notting Hill Carnival. So, you know, even mediocre managers can cope with excuses for defeats if they really want to dig deep. It's definitely something that Newcastle fans haven't forgotten. But just to go back to Man City as well, another aspect of their team I think we should discuss is the Ruben D- uh, Ruben Diaz effect because last year their defense was it, it wasn't horrendous, but in the way that Van Dijk changed Liverpool's defensive outlook completely. I don't think Diaz has had quite such a, like, the same level of impact, but it's still been such an important signing, hasn't it, to kind of shore up their defensive line? Oh, uh, unbelievable, now, 100%, yeah. What is it? They've conceded like three goals in the last 13 games or something ridiculous like that? Yeah, I mean, he's, just, he's been unbelievable. Like, I don't think he had the same... Um, his partnership with John Stones yeah. has helped, though. I know you, yeah, I mean, yeah. give credit to John Stones when it's due. Yeah, we need to talk about so, John Stones because he was a bit of a joke, wasn't he, last year? Like, everyone was thinking he was done and he'll leave Man City. And he's, he's revitalised his career, no? Yeah, I mean, credit where credit's due, right? I mean, that guy, like you say, turned into a bit of a meme. And, you know, £50 million spent on him. He was supposed to be the talisman for the future, the one that was going to replace a uh, company. Because, I mean, how long? How many seasons has he been at City now? Like, at least uh, four of four. You were there at the first when Guardiola came yeah, in. So, like, Quite a while now, and, and then he four, four seasons he now dipped off a bit, and you know he stuck his, um, you know, rolled up his sleeves, and you know put his head down and just kept working, and now look at him, he's completely reinvented himself. Should be the first choice uh, centre back for England, John Stones at the moment. Yeah, oh for sure, the way he's playing at the moment, yeah. And who else really is uh, is an English centre back that's doing better than him on form? No one, no one at all. And not at all, yeah. And Cancelo, by the way, uh, nobody like I feel like Cancelo doesn't get the props he deserves. He's, he's been playing phenomenally well. I feel like this is a um, a common thing in Guardiola's time at Man City, where he takes so long easing players into his system, into the team, that at the start of the signing, people will write those players off, and then at one point it'll just all click, and then somehow they become such an important team for the uh, player for the team in that system, and people will go back and say, "Oh, Guardiola was right the whole the whole time." Like you know, Cancelo was one. I remember um, Riyad Mahrez when he first signed, he wasn't doing well. And then all of a sudden last season, he was one of the more important players. Um, same thing with, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Foden, where people were saying he's not getting enough minutes. And yeah. Guardiola was like, he's the most talented player I've ever coached. And people were you know, saying, well, well, he's so talented, you're not even playing him. But now look at uh, Foden, like flying high. <laughs> so yeah, Cancelo, like, I feel like is that is another example of that. And he's, he's doing amazing this season. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that start that came out with his like um, his heat map average for the season, I know Dowd will love that one, where he's like a fullback, but he's literally <laughs> had like his entire like heat map is orange, even in the opposition's boxes in his own box, 
opposite wings. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to look beyond them, isn't it, for the target at the moment. Um, in, in terms of projecting the, uh, the winner of a different competition, let's get into our Champions League predictions with the uh, our competition just around the corner. Um, so, on uh, the first two fixtures that will kick us off are on Tuesday, the 16th of February, and you've got two very high-profile games. The first one being Barcelona against PSG, and it's the home leg in the Camp Nou for Barcelona. And the other one is Leipzig against Liverpool. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ali, but is that match not set to go ahead in a, in a neutral venue? It's going to be played at the Puskas Arena in Budapest. Yeah, so it's... That's where it's going to be played. So I wonder how that's going to... So, yeah. Is, does that mean that both legs will be played at neutral venues, or is it just that one for now? No, just that particular fixture. It's just because... Germany aren't allowing anyone from England to come in due to the COVID variant coming from the UK. Uh, All right, but Leipzig will be allowed into the UK. Yeah. That's pretty harsh. Interesting. They lose their home advantage, if you can call it one without any fans. But getting into the predictions, um, yeah, do you guys want to talk about the the matches as a two-legged tie or just the the match that's coming up? I mean, let's discuss the tie, right? Why not? Why not? I mean, what do you guys... It's going to be goals. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You reckon? That's it. Liverpool these days... It's anything but goals. I feel like Leipzig will be, uh, will probably, you know, hating that fixture when it was first announced. I mean, even at, like it was announced after Van Dijk's injury, but you know, Liverpool still weren't in the, in the they are now. I mean, Liverpool and the Champions League though are a different animal. They're like the English uh, Real Madrid, right? I mean, when it comes to the Champions <laughs> League, you just never write them off. So, yeah, Leipzig. I don't think Leipzig are in the hottest form themselves. If I had to like put a, um, you know. Put any money on it, I would still back Liverpool to win the tie. Maybe they'll lose the first leg or not win the first leg, but I still back the, them to win the, the last tie. Last time these two coaches, Kadama, last time these two coaches met, it was with Hoffenheim and Liverpool playing in the Champions League qualification, and that game was crazy. You yeah. know, I remember Alexander Arnold getting his first goal from that was it game a free kick? in Hoffenheim. Yeah, it was a free kick. Yeah. yeah. That was the one, and that that game was just nuts. It was just it got me high on fumes. I like my blood pressure's going up and down. I was like, "What the heck?" And I was on dialysis at the time, and I was like, "Freaking heck, this game's gonna kill Back me!" The, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just gonna be high pressure pressing football, and it's gonna be a game for the fans. And you know what? Um, and what's going on with the world? I think that's what the fans need. Entertaining game just to keep them going. I feel like the crucial play is going to be Diego Jota though. Like if he comes back and fully fit, he can get Liverpool firing. But I feel like. I feel like Firmino, I've got no faith in Firmino anymore, you know, like as a neutral, I don't, I don't watch his every minute, so I'm not like going to pretend that I know his game inside out, but I, I just feel like he looks a step below the Salah and Mane standard at the moment, so I, I feel like uh, Diego Jota coming in and making his impact that he's been making all season so far, will be very uh, critical for Liverpool to win this tie. But you see, I, I see that with Mane, I don't think Mane's been on form either though, you know, I don't think Firmino's been as bad. You know, yeah, Firmino doesn't contribute to his goals as he should, but Mane just hasn't been there, you know. I, I, I would agree fit. with that. What's the issue? Yeah. What's going on with him? Like, he doesn't play the right passes, he, he dribbles the ball the wrong place and all sorts. I just, I just don't think he's on form. Firmino's been actually okay, he's just been getting a lot of pressure from the Liverpool fans. That's obviously my opinion, and that is just the quality play he has been, is been trying to help Liverpool get out of this struggle. Yeah, I mean, say, say what you want about Salah, but he's, he's maintained his standards completely, hasn't he? Like yeah. as far as as far as um, you know, the whole the whole debate of who's better, Salah or Mane. People are like, oh yeah, Salah Salah gets all the hypes, and Mane, you know, he just he he's the underground king and whatnot. I was like, nah, man, Salah is a world class player. He hasn't got the best first touch sometimes, but the guy knows where the net is. Yeah. And Mane, he might be losing a bit of confidence. 
you know, uh, Mary's exhaustion as well. Last week we were talking about how uh, exquisite his touch was when um, when uh, Shakiri had passed it on a, a long pole up to him and where he scored that. Yeah, the game against Osam. Uh, yeah, that was a lovely, that was a lovely touch and, and a goal. Yeah, but what what I'm saying is. People are, you know, giving Firmino a lot of stick. I'm thinking, nah, Firmino hasn't been as bad as Mane, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would agree. I would agree. How do you think Leipzig gonna do? You know, obviously with their high pressing attacking football. You know, with with their forward line. Obviously, you don't have Werner there anymore. No, and they don't. But, um, you know, I just want to know how it's gonna go. Really. Yeah, uh, I mean, I haven't watched much of them this season. I'll be honest. The like German league is probably the least one I watch outside of the Premier League. Uh, yeah, but, but in but, the Champions League, yeah, we did watch them against yeah, Manchester United and PSG. I just want to know what your opinion was from there. No, on. I mean they look. Like you say, it's going to be goals, right? I mean, they're a team that emphasises their mm-hmm. attack and output way more than their defensive stability, even though their defence is still really solid with Mukano and Kune and, and, uh, and the likes and Angelino as well, ex-City player. Really good, really good defence. But I think they've scored um, like 10, 10 goals in the last three games when I was checking their stats. Yeah, I want to ask Dow this. Like, you watch Leipzig play Manchester United twice. Obviously, Manchester United thrashed them 5-0 ones from what I remember. And the other time, obviously, my United lost the game to Leipzig. And it was a very close game, even though Manchester United did lose. Um, what? Where do you think Liverpool can exploit Leipzig from, obviously, that fixture? With both fixtures, really? Well, to be honest with you, I think it's all up in the air with, obviously, the the injuries with with Liverpool. Um, but with, with Leipzig... Uh, it's um, the you know full strength and Liverpool full strength. It's it, it would be a lovely game to watch uh, in terms of two attacking teams, very high pressing intensity teams. A lot of spaces opening up because they they both they both have a high line of defence. Um, well, Leipzig are doing pretty pretty all right um, in the Bundesliga at the moment. The second I think um, seven points off from top. Um, you know, like Kadama said, I think they have scored about ten goals in the last three games. They're not; they're playing pretty well, considering where um, Liverpool might be when when they do approach them. I I, I don't know. I I think it's going to be uh, more of a tactical affair than their normal. Um, you know, uh, let both of their uh, front three at, at each other's defenses and see where it goes. I think in this case, Klopp will be a lot more reserved, and Nagelsmann will be a, a lot more uh, astute with his. Um, with, with his uh, tactics and how he's going to exploit the uh, you know the obvious the, four, the, the yeah. obvious concerns with the back four, yeah. One more fixture on the Tuesday, which is Barcelona PSG, and everyone knows about the six-one. But I feel like there's there's actually a, a bit more of a relevant subtext for this game, which is the fact that when Messi wanted to leave PSG, there's been a lot of noise about. Uh, sorry, when Messi wanted to leave Barcelona, there's been a lot of noise about PSG quoting him, and uh, now uh, people are calling. Uh, uh, Barcelona and PSG disrespectful to one another because there's a lot of uh, public airing of these rumours. And um, obviously with Barcelona's finances and with Me- Messi's contract pretty much uh, displayed to the world the other week, there's a lot. Of, there's going to be even more scrutiny on him this year. This year, oh, you're paying this guy this much to bottle the Champions League every year sort of thing. So, um, you know, it's it's a match that at full strength, I would probably back PSG to be honest, but you've got now the uh, Pochettino effect. Uh, you know, he's uh, it's, not, it's no longer Thomas Tuchel's PSG. So there's going to be maybe a new dynamic there. How, how do you guys see this one going? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, when the draw was made, I said PSG. Um, but now I'm not so sure. I think those teams are a lot more even than they were 
at the time the draw was made. You also have to remember that this fixture now has become sort of a modern-day classic um, or a modern-day, I don't want to say derby, but a mini rivalry in the Champions League. Like, it all started probably when, uh, the, you know, the 6-1, the uh, remontada, and now and then Neymar moving to PSG. And they've met each other in the Champions League after that, I think, I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, so, uh Yeah, it's become like sort of a, uh, a Champions League Monday classic. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, recent history behind it. But yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, Barcelona have one player, Lionel Messi. And if he turns up, he's going to be the difference maker. Barcelona are looking better recently. You know, they've had their rocky patches. One thing under Komen is that they seem to be quite streaky. One week they'll look like they've, you know, for, you know, for a couple of weeks they'll look like they're finally, you know, uh, making progress under, under the Dutch, the Dutchman. And then the next couple of weeks they'll falter and they'll look like back to their slow, you know, very low intensity, no pressing kind of football that they got and kind of got used to under Valverde and, and, and Setien. But, um, yeah, I mean, if Messi turns up, then there's no stopping them at the Camp Nou. They're always the, the favorite. So I think this tie will probably, uh, this match will probably go to Barcelona. And then if they've managed to get over their away uh, mentality in the Champions League, then I can see them winning the tie. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't uh, see them winning the tie. I don't see it. I don't see it at I see all. Happening. Why? Why I is that? Well, no, I just wanted to ask Ali. Why does he not see? Why does it, like? What is his like reason behind seeing PSG as the right favourites here? Rece- Barcelona have been flopping in the Champions League first of all. Secondly, you got Poch, who has his alliance to the other side of Catalan and nowhere near Barcelona. Does like doesn't like Barcelona. Um, I just think all the conferences with PSG. Yeah. Um, but Messi can turn up, but will you want to turn up? Is the motivation there? You know, it's all sort certain things. You know, I I just don't see it. You know, I could just see PSG wanting that Champions League, and it'll be determined like that. Honestly, I think it's gonna mirror what's been happening in recent years. I feel like Barcelona's gonna like have a three 0 victory at home, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh my, they've, <laughs> they've turned the corner." And then PSG are gonna smash them in the in the away leg with Messi having a stinker and Barcelona playing tragically bad. And the same memes are going to keep rolling. Uh, I just, I feel like under Koeman, Barcelona don't look to me as a team that's escaped to those kind of, um, those vulnerabilities that they've been showing ever since uh, kind of Valverde came in. And even though Valverde was always steady in the league, the Champions League declined, uh, so, so started under him. So, yeah, do you not see I, that, I do you not, did you not see that kind of like any progress in the recent uh, Copa del Rey tie where they overturned the 2 0 deficit against Granada away from home? Yeah, I mean that that's Granada. Yeah, but Granada, come on! It was man. an impressive. It was a very impressive performance from Barcelona. But that's Granada. It's a different kettle of fish to PSG. No, but the, like the things they can take from that game, though, you know, like the fact that they did come back in a cup tie with twenty minutes left. I mean, that points to some form of you know progress under Coman in terms of their mentality as a as a team that's you know looking to. Nah, you know, I've, I've never been one for. I've never been one for when the pundits say that, like, oh, they played well in their last games that side of a turnaround. Because you have to consider the context, who they're playing, what competition it's in, what's on the line. Just because you made a comeback against Granada does not all of a sudden say, I'm going to be confident uh, when you go to the Parc de France and play PSG away. I still think they're going to struggle in that one. Doubt, uh, what's, what's your thoughts on this fixture? Yeah, it, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm with, um, with uh, Kodama on this one. Uh, I think... PSG and Barcelona this this time around a lot more even. Um, I don't know if Poch has actually imprinted his 
his uh, his way of it's wanting PSG to 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 work. Yeah, his style. Let's say, um, and that might be to the detriment um, of them actually seeing out the game. Um, these are elite teams playing with elite level of uh, tactics, um, and I and I I feel like that inexperience, um, especially against a team like Barcelona, um, will will hamper it. And I think Barcelona will nick it. Yeah, I mean, it's, let, let's see what, uh, wait and see what happens with this one. The other two fixtures on the Wednesday, uh, you've got Porto against Juve and Sevilla against Dortmund. And I feel like, is it fair for me to tell, say to the group that everyone's going to back Juve against Porto? I could see the first leg maybe going to Porto, maybe it's 1-0-2-1. One, one. I, I, I could see Juventus win the whole tie, but I'm just saying that could happen and they could go back to the Allianz Stadium and... Juventus will just give a ass up over and I will just go a hat and go zoom. I can definitely see, um, I can't really see it any other way, to be honest with you. Poor, I mean, yeah, they're a good team in recent years. They've shown some fight about them in the Champions League, but really, it's, uh, I think we feel like it's a bit of a cut and dry, cut and dry game, really. Perlo couldn't have asked for a better fixture to have his uh, Champions League knockout stage debut in it. Like, um, Porto aren't even the best team in Portugal this year. I think it's Sporting Club who are top of the league. By six yeah. points as well, so it's uh, you know all signs definitely point to Juventus. For me. When you talk about the Ronaldo, Ronaldo factor in the cha- in the Champions League knockouts, this guy, as soon as he sees the Champions League knockouts, he sees at least like ten or eleven goals. He's, he's always going to get them. It's just an insane player. So I can't really see it going any other way. But I, I do. I'll be interested to see if Ali's right about uh, Porto winning the first leg. Sure. All right. Um, not too much needs to be said on that one. I think well, this one's a lot more interesting to me. Sevilla against Dortmund because. When, when this fixture first came out, I remember when we talked about the Champions League draw, we were saying about, you know, it all depends on what the factors are like at the time. So now we know that Sevilla are in an absolute incredible run of form. Everyone on their team is clicking. They've got more many instability with uh, Lopetegui. It's been something that's been, you know, a long-term project coming good. Whereas Dortmund, you know, they got rid of Lucien Favre and they, they've got a caretaker boss in charge who's getting inconsistent results to say the least. They've got no chance of the Bundesliga title. They've still got some phenomenal talent in, in that eleven, but is that phenomenal talent enough to overcome a, a severe team that seems to, to be so in sync at the moment? It's a it's a, it's a good um, it's a good tie to see that, um, and uh, yeah, you're right. Dortmund have been um, very hit and miss uh, recently. Um, more missed than there, really. More missed than yeah, here. for sure. Yeah, yeah. and um, I was watching the match against uh, Freiburg. And uh, I don't know. It, it just seems like something's lacking. Uh, they've got all they've got all the the stars that you'd want. Um, you've got all the youngsters that you know you you're thinking that are developing um, under you and uh, going towards the direction of you know becoming an actual complete player instead of you they've know. They've also got uh, the experience there as well. They've got the experience, especially at the back. Yeah, definitely. I'm so, in the form of Marco Rice. Well, yeah. Sorry, Marco Rice as well. Apparently, but, he's been one of the worst performers for the team. In recent weeks, yeah, but that's with injuries, catch up, and whatnot, though. So, what can you do there? But no, nonetheless, though, it, it's their other players as well that they've got. So, you know, Sancho still hasn't really been playing as great as he should be. Um, Jude Bellingham here and there, and I'm I'm more interested Giorena. in the English. Uh, G- yeah, Jurena, he, he's been all right as well. These are the players that are the outlets that they want that they need um, firing or you know c- c- cementing um, their games. Uh, and I don't know about I don't know if about you guys, uh, but Dahoud uh, doesn't. Um, he, he whenever I see him play, 
he he seems like a good player, but he's not. He he, he never really fulfills the role that he needs to be um, consistently. He's, he's very similar to Emery Chan, if I'm honest. With you, and he he's also on that Dortmund side. Yeah, the two similar players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and I think that's where that's where the problem is for them. But nonetheless, um, I, I think uh, in this case, I I genuinely believe. Sevilla will have more of a fighting chance than Dortmund will, just because of the the run. The last five games in the league, um, they've lost three games and drawn. I'm going to actually disagree with you and say I'm going to back Dortmund for the uh, entirety of the tie. I feel like, yes, yes, Dortmund are in a very bad run of form. They're looking a bit lost out there, but it's a knockout competition. And for me, when you have a goal scorer like Haaland on your team, that can be all you need to turn the tie around. I mean, you know, Let's be honest, Sevilla are the stronger team going into this, but I doubt we'll be able, like, I doubt you're going to see, you know, Sevilla steamroll Dortmund. So when Dortmund have, you know, the attacking talent that they do, all they need is really good 15 minutes. I mean, you've seen it all the time in the Champions League. You know, that's all you need sometimes, a good 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, you've grabbed the tie and, and, and turned it on it, flipped it on its head. So I'm going to say it's going to be closer than people think, you know, in spite of uh, Dortmund's recent form. I mean, I'm going to back, um, Dortmund to have the attacking power to to get more goals. I mean, simple as that. Football is a simple game. I feel like Dortmund will just simply <laughs> score more. Despite, I mean, I know Sevilla have unbelievable attacking talent, and unless you just won the Liga Player of the Month, you know. But they have had Ocampos out now. Injury is going to miss the game. I feel like it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I'm you know, sure. What you think, Jeff? I, I feel like I'm going to back Sevilla, and I feel like Yusuf in the series is in such a rich vein of form that he, he's the potential match winner as well. But I like the fact that we're disagreeing on this one because it's going to make it a lot more interesting when we look out for the results and, and watch the games. Um, so, yeah, let's let's see who gets vindicated on Sevilla Dortmund's scoreline and uh, we'll see how Liverpool go. Best of luck for Ali from his team to see that they can salvage something out of the season for him to enjoy. Because even Newcastle look like they're in a nicer place in terms of the mood of the fan base at the moment than a team like Liverpool, which I never thought I'd say whether, <laughs> when the season first started or even three weeks ago, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I haven't got too much else to add on to that one, unless you guys have anything else to say. No, I'm just glad the Champions League is back, to be honest. All right, Daud, um, always would like to leave this last bit to you to wrap us up in terms of the socials, please. Yeah, so as always, um, we're on uh, uh, YouTube, uh, The Dresser Room, where we post um, di- uh, you know, a weekly uh, roundups of our, our previous episodes there. Also, to find out uh, when we've posted our uh, episode and you want to be the first to hear what we're when we have uh, sign up to our um, Facebook group The Dressing Room and uh, we've also on all major hosting platforms for podcasts and also let us know about uh, today's podcast Uh, we've used a different program today we're trying to get more tech savvy um, to try and be more COVID secure as well so yeah thank you guys thank you for this week's episode thank you very much cheers cheers bye bye